Happy Endings Only podcast. If you're new here, welcome! I'm Cindy. I'm Regina. We're two 20-something gals who love rom-com movies. And we're gonna watch them, and we're gonna talk about them a lot. So stay with us. We post a new episode every Sunday at 11 a.m. everyone to another episode of the happy endings only podcast i'm your host cindy and i'm your host regina and this time we are not recording in person we're actually recording virtually but we're still gonna have uh, a lot of fun this way and this week's movie is what a girl wants the Amanda Bynes movie from oh. 2003. So this is this movie is like 14 years old. Oh my god, that's one way to look at it. Okay. Yeah, because we've been doing like more recent movies. Yeah. Right, like movies that were like released in like 2017. Like I think Told the Boys was 2017 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So now we're like going all the way back to our uh, for our new series at. Uh, teenage rom-coms that we grew up with so mm-hmm. starting off this is what a girl wants <laughs> yeah i mean were we teenagers in 2003 so when in 2003 i don't think so i was 10 so actually mm-hmm. this movie like i probably watched this movie later not like when it came out so when I was like yeah. a teenager, like when I was like 14, 15 ish, then mm-hmm. this is already considered an older movie. <laughs> I think I I think I watched it when it came out, but that means I would have been eight. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> so I think our listeners can deduce wow. our age. <laughs> yeah. But we can do mental math here, people. Alright, so the summary of the movie so we're gonna do a summary of what a girl wants so it begins with a cgi butterfly flying over new york city i -hmm. forgot how cheesy like old movies used to be because now it's like a cgi butterfly just like flying over new york city and going down on chinatown Mm -hmm. yeah and also like you have to remember the fonts that we use now in media and film and photos and everything is very different. So it felt like word art all the way through. <laughs> Every single 1990s, early 2000s movie just remind me of word art on Microsoft Word. It's crazy. <laughs> I know. So like the style and everything yeah. is very what vintage i don't want to go it's very nostalgic for our for our (laughs) taste right yeah so um we're introduced to our main character daphne Mm -hmm. and she grew up with her mom with uh, like without ever knowing her father in Mm -hmm. new york's chinatown yep in a in so her birthdays is always like surrounded with like, like Chinese waiters, Ch- Chinese and... waiters, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm I'm not sure about that, but okay. So yeah. she grew up never knowing her dad. Yeah. But 
it's always one of her dreams to just know him and then so her mom is always telling her a bedtime story about their morbid love affair <laughs> well i think it she made it into a a tradition every year on her birthday to ask her mom about how her mom and dad met and so the other thing about it is it is the most unusual love story and it, it's it's a meet cute as well right so they go so the mom goes to morocco and meets this like british man Name and they Henry. out of nowhere yeah out of nowhere just fall in love have this great excursion in the desert riding camels or whatever and then they have it just speeds through there's no development it just happens and so <laughs> They end up having a Bedouin um, ceremony, and they're technically married. Whether it's legal or not is a different question. Yeah. So they're like they elope basically in yeah. Morocco, right? And then you can. I don't know that you can consider it eloping because they both just went on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, after this whole whirlwind like romance, yeah. the dad Henry took back the mom Libby. To mm-hmm. England to meet yep. his family, and she found out that his family is actually like some Lord. lordship, yeah. right? So they're very like high ranking, I guess. And then so she was supposed to abide to certain ways if she wants to be a lady, but apparently Libby is not a lady. Mm-hmm. And then I think mm-hmm. the advisor, their advisor, uh actually tries to break them apart Alistair, right? right yeah that yeah. is so grimy honestly. yeah so uh his advisor the the family's advisor alistair mm-hmm. right uh told libby that he uh henry didn't want to be with her while yeah. telling henry that libby was in love with another man so yeah. they went on this like whole tearful separation yeah and and just don't talk to each other for I know long. but then Libby was pregnant and then yeah. just decides to have the baby and not tell Henry for 17 years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but after a while she finally tells her daughter so it's not like Daphne doesn't know where her dad is he, she knows what he looks like but obviously if you're like a teenager you're not gonna go across the ocean to go find your dad until So it turns out Libby is a like wedding singer. So yeah, a wedding singer with a wedding band. Right? And Daphne yeah. is a waitress, like a part-time yeah. waitress on weddings as well, right? And so every single time there's a wedding, what happens? The uh, the bride has a father-daughter dance. And it's just like such a tearjerker or like it it's a trigger for Daphne. To make it feel like you know she's never gonna have that with her dad yeah so this is like the whole like plot point right she wants to have the father-daughter dance with her yeah. dad mm-hmm. exactly and so uh at one of those weddings she has a run-in with i guess an old classmate or whatever and this classmate is about to become pre-law she's interning at some uh law firm And Daphne still has no idea where she's going to college or what she's going to do. But she's a smart girl. She's witty. She's quick on her feet. And so she witnesses um, 
the father-daughter dance and her mom sees that she's obviously sad about it and apparently something that she mulls over for a while and then lo and behold the next day what does she do she gets up she leaves a voicemail on her mom's like what do you call it? You know, you know, this is like 2003 when you're like yeah. leaving your mom voicemails on like a recorded, like, what would they call it? Even? What do you even call that now? I don't even know what they're called anymore. <laughs> well, if you were to call a landline, that's another thing. Like you still have a home phone. So you would call over to your house and like leave the message on, on the, I, I'm going to call it a voice box because I really don't know what it's called right now. But so she leaves this whole long speech about I'm never gonna know my dad if I don't go now and I'll never be able to understand myself if you're making all of the decisions for me very rom-com type speech right yeah and apparently this is like the perfect timing for her to go because she, she graduated high school she's gonna mm-hmm. take a year or two before deciding to go to college so and then she's technically an adult now too that yeah. she can uh, fly over the continent <laughs> to to, to find her dad and then this is like pre-google so we see yeah. scene of her like looking up her father online she found out where he is who he is so he just hops on to jfk yeah. and flies to london and then we are treated to the normal london tourist montage of like it's you know like the same, right? it's always, always I don't know same. why they always use the same song it's always London Calling because they they use the same song in France when they went to mm-hmm. London right did they also do that in the Parent Trap <sighs> I don't know if they use that song but for hmm. some reason if some American are going to like England and then they're going mm-hmm. to London it's always some sort of like montage of them like on a double decker red bus mm-hmm on that same bridge there's always going to be a shot of big ben for some reason yep. and yeah. <laughs> and then they're gonna always like have like this culture shock i guess uh-huh. right uh-huh. so she found out that uh the hotel that i guess she booked online wasn't really a hotel it was really like more of like a travel hostel hostel, hostel yeah yeah good. and then in this hostel she met uh her love interest Ian, who yep. is a musician, but also works a has lot of odd bunch. jobs. Yeah, and one of them being, of one of them being the front desk for this hostel, right? Mm-hmm. So, I feel like we're just given some intense chemistry. So they're yeah. just they just become instant friends, right? Yeah, it's like there's no development. It's just like okay, we meet. I like you, you like me, friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then... But they, they're very big on making sure that you can see how different they are because they obviously make Daphne appear to be that, like, stereotypical American girl. Mm-hmm. You know, loud, outspoken, uh, friendly, whereas uh, the British people are very not like that. They're more, but like, Ian, prim and proper and reserved, yeah. right? But even Ian isn't totally like that because he's more of the, like, grunge-ish um, era of, again, the 90s, 2000s of, I don't know, like, counterculture, whatever it is. But he's cute. Yeah, he's and, like a, he got, like, a bad boy vibe, right? He, like, but like he a plays... very boyish face. 
Yeah, he yeah. plays the guitar. He's like helping Daphne get acquainted with London. Well, anyway, we also found out that her her dad is running for office, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Her mm-hmm. dad is running for office, and then that the dad is actually engaged to mm. Alistair's daughter. She doesn't know Alistair at this point, but like she, so she just knows that her dad is engaged to some lady, and this lady mm-hmm. have a daughter. So he was about to have a stepdaughter, and so I think she was kind of hurt by that, right? Because she was kind of well, like, uh, "Well, I'm your daughter, but then you're about to have like this new stepdaughter." So there's like some resentment there. So she tries to meet him by just going to his house, and then. Climbing over a ledge and trespassing. <laughs> the only other movie I've ever seen that has done a break in like that is Rush Hour, when Jackie Chan like scaled the wall. And like, at least he's graceful about it. This was not graceful. I don't. So do- blind, and then she like falls, and I'm pretty sure the stepsister said. A humongous, like a ridiculously large bird, just fell off <laughs> this like ledge. It was the most unusual entrance ever. And I realized that in this movie, she falls a lot. So yeah. this is like one of the many times where she f- fall. So she yeah. fall like in one of the weddings, in the early wedding, she fall down for some reason. She just like trips on some uh, trips on a feet, and then mm. on this one, she just climbs over a ledge and then she just falls again. Mm-hmm. And then you must think like this: this guard is never doing anything because basically he can't stop like a teenage girl from going over mm. the ledge and then going in. Well, anyway, the dad caught her. And then thinks that she's a paparazzi. Mm-hmm. But then she like reveals herself like, hey, I'm your daughter. I'm your long lost daughter of 17 years. My mom never told you about me. and But I knew you. Here's my folded up birth certificate to prove that uh, I'm your daughter. Hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so weird. And so like Alistair's freaking out. Glynis, the... Um, the fiance of Henry is freaking out. Obviously, the stepdaughter Clarissa is freaking out. Yeah, right. And so everyone's just in a fit. But the only one who is pretty cool about it is Henry's mom, which kind of becomes like a fairy godmother figure-ish, right? In this movie, yeah. which I found to be so interesting because you would think that the mom would be freaking out. Because again, your your the understanding of like a British family, of, especially one that's in the aristocracy, is that they would want to maintain the status quo. So I thought it was quite refreshing that uh, she ends up being kind of like the yeah the fairy godmother, if you consider this like a Cinderella type story. And so, it they just like let her stay in the house. Yeah. And. I'm not saying that you should have had a paternity test, and I know this isn't a rom com, but don't just let some stranger. No, in your and house. then we were like given his justification, right? Yeah. He got, she got the birth certificate, she got my photo, and she got my eyes. So it's like no paternity <laughs> test needed. I'm sure okay. she's my. <laughs> sure, sir. Yeah, sure. and then so she stays in the house, yeah. and yeah. she. I guess brought her American charm to the house. Mm-hmm. I because you know we're treated to a montage of her like I don't know living her best life. 
jumping on the bed jumping on the bed seeing like all of this new fancy stuff because she only lives in like a fifth floor walk up in the china town and now she have like her own bedroom with like fancy stuff and then so pretty much a mansion right yeah (laughs) yeah and then we're also like so so ian basically went missing for like this whole middle part of the movie well technically technically he didn't go missing we knew where he was she just didn't go see him yeah yeah so like he tries to look for her but like at this time it's like daphne is occupied so now it's like he's not essential to the plot point let's move him aside for now because now it's about daphne uh getting used to his new status as being like a lord's daughter right yeah so um there is a a couple of events that happen right society Mm -hmm. events that happen that Basically, the whole family is trying to introduce Daphne into the high society. And then... Yeah, so before we go any further, for anyone who doesn't know, and we're not experts, we only know what we know about this based off of rom-coms and movies, but, <laughs> and perhaps Bridgerton. But essentially, when a woman turns of age, they throw a large party for her as a coming out party, uh, presenting her as a debutante so that she can be essentially put on the dating market as an eligible bachelorette for other eligible bachelors to then court and potentially marry. Now, this is obviously not Victorian Britain, but that has continued on in the time span into obviously the early 2000s and is a pivotal portion of this movie because you see how it shapes Daphne into, well, either a person that she wants to be or that she doesn't want to be she gets to decide yeah but so yeah. yeah so one of the first events that she have to attend as lord dashwood's daughter was a mm-hmm. fashion show right yeah. was a fashion show and the yeah. soon-to-be stepdaughter or like soon-to-be stepsister try to sabotage her right mm-hmm. because one of the thing that i guess people uh like the high high society people think about is what you dress like and mm-hmm. yeah. what kind of outfits do you choose so clarissa tries to sabotage daphne by telling her to basically dress up like in casually right, mm-hmm. yeah, right? and it's much. like oh well this is all the rage now it's like no yeah. one wears all of the proper clothes anymore and then for some reason before she went to the dress show she had a mishap in the bathroom that mm-hmm. causes her to be late so basically the whole, whole family already arrived in this fashion show without her and then she came in late wearing mm-hmm. her everyday clothes and then she's not allowed in so for some reason she found a back door mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> that somehow leads her to the stage of the fashion show so this is her first introduction to the basically to the media to the paparazzi to the society is that she is on a runway wearing her everyday clothes but for some reason this is like quirky and then like people like her like we 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 see Mm -hmm. montage of like all the boys are like "Ooh, she is cool she is different i like her but you know what what's also um important to note here is that it's 
it's so annoying because Clarissa tries to sabotage Daphne because she's afraid that Daphne will like the guy that she is trying to date. Mm-hmm. And his name is Armistead. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time we see Armistead as well. And this dude is a fool. Because I swear, he is grading these models as they're walking down the runway. And then he takes it upon himself to feel as though Daphne is going to be his next project. As if, like, him being with her is going to be the most, like, awesome thing. And that he actually has a chance with her. While, all the while, Clarissa is like a puppy dog just chasing after him. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, and then we got some cameo shots of someone who's supposed to be really Prince William and Prince Charles, right? Oh, Somewhere yeah. in the middle. And then what happens in the end is that she falls again. She falls on the runway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. like I said before, she falls a lot in this movie. I'm not yeah, exaggerating yeah. because she does fall a lot. And mm-hmm. so she fall again, but it was like, okay. And then she bonded with Princess Charlotte and her dog. And then so, she, so basically Daphne will start to get connections with like important members of the society without her realizing that she's actually gaining brownie points from important people, right? And she's doing it by being herself. Like, so it's very unconventional in the way that they expect a debutante to behave like. And so it causes a stir because she's totally different than everyone else in this society at the time. Yeah, they try um, to she, they try to establish that really well. Like, well, yeah. well, Daphne is so different. And that's because mm-hmm. she's an American. She's going to be like super different than the mm-hmm. this whole London high society. But they also kind of um they also kind of harangue her, right? Because there's still this like understated quality that everyone else in the world kind of hates how American people are affectionate, are loud, or are friendly. There's even a line from the grandmother at one point that say like, you know, like, don't hug me, don't. Because we're British. We only show affection to horses and dogs. And it's like, oh, okay. I don't know how she's going to make it in this, but good luck to you, Daphne. Yeah. So the next event that she has to go to, well, Ian is still missing at this point. We don't see Ian yet. So the second event that she goes to is a debutant ball, but not for Mm -hmm. her. It's for a pair of twin sister, Peach's Peach and Pear. Was the was their name Peach and Pear? It was right. Yeah. So she went to this debutant ball for a pair of sisters, right? And the stepmom this time uh, tries to give her an ugly dress. And it's ugly. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. So she, the stepmom just like shows her like this, uh, tells her to wear this ugly dress. But I guess Daphne being Daphne, like she picked up a pair of scissors and cut, cut, cut. And then suddenly mm-hmm. she, the dress is transformed like a Cinderella with a clear mm-hmm. godmother. But this time yep. it's Daphne with a pair of scissors. And yep. so <laughs> Daphne. And all the while. Henry is not helpful at all. He's just thinking like, oh, she's in good hands with Glynis and the the stepsister. Yeah, even but, though um, it's so obvious that the like the fiance and this and the daughter is, is like great. actively trying to sabotage yeah. Daphne, openly showing their disdain to Daphne. Right. Like and her. Henry is like 
thank you guys you're gonna be like i'm putting my daughter in such good hands like i don't know what's going on in colin Firth's head but yeah yeah yeah, yeah so well daphne walks into the ball and then her dress is amazing apparently well by by 2003 standard the dress was amazing i think it's still pretty good yeah okay you know but yeah. yeah okay and she wows everyone right mm-hmm. and then for some reason the the party's dead like the party's not fun you know it's just like too i guess too boring and then for it's some very stiff. yeah it's so very, very stiff, stiff. And, the, and the the running joke is that these twins father um who's another lord is the most boring guy ever because the only thing that he loves in his life is this crystal chandelier that is hanging at the top of this ballroom. And anyone he talks to, he will bore to death about how he got this stupid chandelier. So every time that you see him, everyone's running the other way. Um, but then, as the, the story progresses, guess who is at the party? Ian, but yep. he is the singer of a band? Yeah, the the band that was playing in this party is apparently Ian's band, and mm-hmm. Ian is the vocalist, right? Yeah. I guess, Present. right? So, yep. like I mentioned before, that Ian works a lot of like odds and ends jobs, and this mm-hmm. is one of them. So he yeah. is a, I guess, event singer. <laughs> yes. And yeah. then Daphne went outside of the. Well, went outside of the party and then try to look for Ian and then like basically just say this party's dead let's make it more fun <laughs> by yeah, playing mm-hmm. just play 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 an upbeat song <laughs> yeah so they turn up the bass turn up the volume and we segue into this whole dance number right as if this was all a choreographed flash mob yeah, and Daphne cranks up the bass, and you know mm-hmm. what happens with bass and crystal chandeliers? <laughs> they don't mix well. Yeah, so uh, as the party got lively, people are dancing, people are having fun, music are played out loud, and mm-hmm. things are shaken up, including the crystal chandelier on the top, and then it breaks in the middle of the room. And that causes the party to basically end on a sour note because now the Lord Chandelier hates Daphne <laughs> for breaking yeah. his precious chandelier. Yeah, so everyone kind of it just blames her for ruining this, you know, lavish party or whatever. But at the end of that night, while they're sulking, uh, Daphne and her dad actually have a nice moment where they bond together by eating chocolate chocolate like cereal right? yeah chocolate cereals yeah yeah because so, henry's not allowed to eat it but they both really like it and yeah. so we we start to pick up the similarities between them to establish the fact that this is definitely a father and daughter relationship and they're making up for lost time yeah so so stop at the events for now we're now treated back to some daphne and ian content because after mm-hmm. the whole party basically they rekindled their relationship so mm-hmm. Daphne is going on a date with Ian, and Ian picks her up on a motorcycle, which in turn freaks Henry out, and Henry mm-hmm. calls Libby, just like screaming, like, I'm worried about her. So, can we talk about 
the fact that he had her number the whole time? I know. And I then he had had to have had it, you know. I know and he he knows her number, but she never calls. And then I think she also knows his number, but then she right. never calls as well. So I don't know why they are spending like seventeen years, <laughs> just mm-hmm. like in silence. Well, anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, uh, Daphne and Ian went on their date, which is basically just them having fun in like a I don't know what to call it. It's like a street market or like. Yeah, a fair? So. It's not a fair. I think it's always there, though, and it's definitely not the first time that I've seen that in any type of movie or whatever. Yeah. That so they went shopping London. outside. They yeah. basically just went shopping outside. They went and sightsee, and then they ended up on a boat somehow, right? And they and have me tells him, yeah, that she's gonna act proper from now on. Yeah, and we get more of Ian's backstory here. Yeah, so his so, his mom is a debutante as well, mm-hmm. who chooses to marry his father, who was basically lower, lower in rank, class. right? Yeah, and the parents disprove, so they were cast out. But mm-hmm. so Ian's is like, so Ian becomes kind of like I guess hateful towards the high society in a way that. Well, so he had said that he was able to benefit from the privileges of the aristocracy until after, I think, high school, where he saw how hypocritical it was that these people are trying to elevate their status, but they're scummy people. Mm. So then he's seen as an outsider, but he's always been an outsider because the fact of, you know, the fact of the matter that his dad is what they consider like. A commoner, mm-hmm. or he didn't have any status. titles, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they went on this heart to heart on the boat, and then uh, she fell again. Daphne fell again, but this time she fell into the lake. <laughs> and I think it's important to preface this is like one of those small little kayaks, right? And they're out there because she is asking Ian to prep her. Because he has the knowledge of knowing like how you're supposed to act in high society. I don't know who told this girl. And I blame Ian also. Who told you it was a good idea to have her stand on this yacht? Not yacht. Because it's not a yacht. Oh my god. This kayak. Thinking it's not going to tip over. Knowing how clumsy this girl is. Yeah, but because we key. already saw her fell, fell like three times already. Three times. And then she thought it was a good idea to stand up on a boat and then act like all prim and proper. So, of course, she fell into the lake with mm-hmm. Ian. So, both of them fell. And then they somehow got themselves up on the boat. And they were laying on the boat. And Ian was like, why do you try so hard to fit in when you're born to stand out? And, and then, then and the sun is out. They're like glistening. All of this stuff, right? And then, and then get a close-up of them just, like, looking and staring at each other's souls. And... They kiss. Mm-hmm. And... Well, that's enough Ian for now. So I think the movie was like, okay, we got our, like, romance film. Let's stop yeah. for now. Let's move to another vet, which is another, like, outdoor... Ev- outdoor boat defense, I guess. It was rowing, outdoor, so so they went to an outdoor event, right? I think it's rowing. It, yeah. Is it rowing? Because there yeah. was like Clarissa, there was like Peach and Pear, right? There was Armitage. Was was that his Armistead, name? Yeah. Armistead, yeah. <laughs> Armistead. 
yeah his name is so funny and Although, uh, Ian does make it into this and yeah, then, but he was a parking attendant in this one. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. they went to this outdoor boat event. And then, well, I guess in a way, Daphne tries to uh, to be prim and proper, I guess. She, tries to act she tries, but then during this whole event, uh, what's the guy name? Like, I can't... Armistead? Armistead, see? Yeah. Yeah, so Armistead tried to put a move on her, right? Mm-hmm. He tries yeah. to kiss her. Then Daphne was like, get your... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Daphne basically pushes him into the water to try because to... he insulted Ian. Exactly. And apparently him and Ian had gone to school together. So they know each other. So he was like bashing Ian for being like a commoner and working. Mm, and, and then while Daphne... trying to kiss Daphne at the same time. So she was angered yep. by that. So she just pushed him off. And of mm-hmm. course, paparazzi was there, and Henry finally does the one thing that I feel like is pretty right, which is try to save her, his daughter from the mm-hmm. paparazzi. So Henry runs to Daphne, drags her out of the paparazzi's clutches, and mm-hmm. asks for Ian's motorcycle keys. And basically, the two of them just speed off and try to beat the paps, right? Yeah, yep, pretty much. And so they end up going to uh, a park. First, they go to a park and they're like on the swings and they have that heart to heart moment about, you know, like you, you have to try. I mean, he, he says, you know, like, I love you as you are kind of, but this, they're not there in their relationship where they can be totally real with each other. Um, So they're just going to try to spend time with one another to get to know each other. And so they end up at the same like street market that um, Ian Daphne and Daphne and Ian gone yeah. on a date at. And so she starts to get a feel for who Henry is as a person, um, asking him like, what type of music do you listen to? Or what did you like to do when you were younger? Yeah, they got um, henna tattoos, right? They got yeah. some hennas. And then they have a whole shopping scenes where Daphne's trying a bunch of like, clothes and then henry's there and then so they have like a whole i guess pretty women scene but with mm-hmm. but with father and daughter which i felt kind of awkward about but we went with it we went with it <laughs> and then they and both so- they both like uh basically spends the day together mm-hmm. and they climb the ledge together to the house instead mm-hmm. of going in like through the front doors because there's a lot of paparazzi so daphne take his dad to go climb the, climb the walls and then yeah he, and then when they're home he has um he has his moments of nostalgia walking down memory lane right he goes so essentially henry was this kind of like rocker dude so he goes into his closet and finds the old clothes that he used to wear and it's these like really tight uh leather pants leather pants and so he's dancing around much to the horror of his fiance glennis who walks in on him thinking like oh my god what have you done with my fiance and so he has to immediately like perk himself back up to act with decorum apparently yeah and then the 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 story's not going like really good for them i guess because the polls drop right so now mm-hmm. they're treated to reality so they have like their fun 
but they're mm-hmm. fun basically costume because mm-hmm. uh, Henry's he's losing. Yeah, he's losing yeah. his I guess his lead on the polls, right? He's dropping yeah. a couple of points, and then the media doesn't have a good assumption, like they they don't have a good image of Daphne, and then it's like how how can you handle the government if you can't handle mm-hmm. your kid, your you daughter, know? So yeah, exactly. So I guess Henry was like peer pressure to ask Daphne like, can you change a little bit? To try to be more yeah. prim and proper. Yeah, and right? all the while, his advisor and his fiance are obviously in his ear, telling him like, "You need to, you need to figure this out. She's going to cost us this election, and it's going to ruin the future that we built." And so we can see just how conniving this family. I mean, not technically their family yet, but you know, the people around Henry are actually really. Bad influences for him. Yeah, so uh, Daphne just starts wearing blazers and some hats, and then starts to attend multiple like events, looking really sad, right? And mm-hmm. then we're treated to a montage of her just looking really sad, but the people around her are happy because now she's, I guess, behaving like the status quo, right? Mm-hmm. And the polls are climbing up, but she's blowing off Ian in the meantime, right? She is not spending a lot of time with her, I guess, boyfriend at this point mm-hmm. after the whole kiss this, they shared on the boat, right? So yep. polls are up, boyfriends are put in the back burner, and mm-hmm. they plan another event, which is her own coming out party, right? Yeah. So they're trying to introduce Daphne finally to the society. They're going to hold her a big ball. Grandma gives her her tiara. And at the same time, it's like, Ian is like, what happens to the old you? Like, I want the real you. And then, but yeah. Daphne just like goes with it. And, you know, and then so now we're like going to her debutante ball. Mm-hmm. And you can tell also that she's tired, right? So she knows just how much of a strain it's been because it's it's like Ian said, it, when you're acting like someone that you're not and you're going against all of your own principles and what you stand for and who you are, it's draining. And you can tell that that's taken a toll on her, but she's trying to be there for her dad. And I just feel like her dad's not sticking up for her enough. Mm-hmm. But she goes through with it. She mm-hmm. makes this grand entrance, and she looks beautiful, right? White dress, flowing, comes down the grand staircase, everything. And then uh, and the grandma actually calls her mom. So yeah. f- this whole time, the grandma also know the mom's number. But okay, yeah. let's put that back for now. So mm-hmm. the grandma calls her mom to basically come and support her daughter during her debut ball. So we have the mom also coming with a nice dress and everything. And the mom have a whole like reunion, I guess, with the mm-hmm. dad. They still very much like each other, you mm-hmm. know. So, but they never talked about their issues. So they're both just kind of beating around the bush. And it's like the dad doesn't know that she left because Alistair pretty much set her up to think that he doesn't care about her. And then Libby doesn't know that Henry actually still in love with her because he never chased after her. And so it's just all very tense. Um, and unfortunately, Daphne becomes the victim of yet another one of Glynis's attempts to sabotage the situation. Yeah, so I think during this last, like, 15 minutes of the movie, it just moves, like, really, like, fast. Quickly, Right, yeah. because... Uh, 
Daphne overhears a conversation between Alistair and Glynis that, mm-hmm. oh, I have to get rid of this daughter just like the same way I got rid of her mom. And then mm-hmm. Daphne was like, what did you say? So she found out that the real reason why her parents broke up was actually because of Alistair. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, Glynis just drags her out and locks her in a room yeah. during her own debut party. This yeah. like Glynis just drags her and then locks her up in whatever room, right? Yeah, yeah. And so she's now stuck. No one hears her because obviously there's a band playing. And it's the same band. It's also Ian's band, <laughs> right? Because so he's the only band that they can hire, apparently. <laughs> and so he's already upset that he sees Daphne. And he wasn't technically invited. He was hired to be there. And so all of this stuff is going down. She's locked in a closet or whatever. The mom and dad are dancing. And it's now time for her father-daughter dance. The one thing she's been longing for her entire life. And so what happens? It yeah. apparently all falls apart. Ian starts um, singing the song that they have chosen. And, and you know like how Ian doesn't really have like much tact because it's like, oh, it's time for your father-daughter dance. But like he doesn't even realize that Daphne is not on the room. It's like, yeah. is, are they set up on a schedule or something? Like, can't you read the room, bro? It's like... <laughs> It's like you're the, the, it's like when you're saying like the, now the bride and the groom will have to dance and then the bride and groom is not there yet. It's yeah. like I feel like as a wedding singer or like as an event singer an event yeah. band you'll have more tact like the main person like for this that the the whole party is thrown for is not here. Is missing. Yeah. And then this he was the like, "Oh well, uh Lord Dashwood, it's now time for the father-daughter dance. But yeah. apparently your daughter's not here, but I don't care. So they just start playing the song and Glynis just pushes like Henry to dance with Clarissa. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you can't keep them waiting. Just dance with Clarissa. And then I yeah. guess again, Henry succumbs to peer pressure once more and yeah. he dances with Clarissa. But Libby is obviously concerned about where her daughter's whereabouts are. So because apparently no one cares that Daphne is not on the room. Only her mom cares that like her daughter is missing from her own party, right? Mm-hmm. And so she she ventures out and she hears, you know, ba- uh, banging on the door. And it's obviously um, Daphne trying to get out. And so they get her out finally. And as soon as they en- re-enter the ballroom, the music stops. And you can see that she's obviously upset that Clarissa is dancing with her father. And so we get this like slow motion walk over in pure silence to, and it's, and you think that um, she's going to cuss her out or something, but I like how she handled it. Daphne walks over to Clarissa and she says to her, I'm going to give you what you want. She takes off the tiara that, Clarissa has been eyeing for weeks, apparently, for her own um, purposes, and gives it to her, and basically just makes the final say, like, I don't even want it, and then they run up the stairs, and they disappear. Yeah, well, I guess, like, before they disappear, Henry tries to, I guess, mend some bridges, but he doesn't do enough, because it's, like, basically just Daphne just saying, well, I miss being me, I don't want to be changed, and... I'm done waiting. But then again, yeah. Henry just doesn't do anything. He was just no. like, 
again, he is forced again by peer pressure to stay in mm-hmm. the party, even though I guess his still wife. I mean, they never really have a divorce, even though they turn out really married. Although, like, technically, not sure that they were ever married. Yeah. Okay. So, well, I guess like his very gray area. The love, the love of his life, and then his yeah. daughter is like trying to leave his life, and then all he oh. did was like, well, I guess you're leaving. Okay, bye. Right, and then so Daphne and Libby uh, flew back to New York, mm-hmm. and it's just like the whole thing just never happens, right? Another montage of misery. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Ian is sad because apparently, like Ian is also like I guess their relationship is over too. It's like we never got a resolution for that as well. I feel so bad for this guy because he's either pushed off, saying like you had enough screen time let's take a break from you or they just completely ditch him altogether i yo i feel so bad for ian because he's a great guy <laughs> i know but like so but we got some montage of ian i guess sad about not being with daphne and then i got some mm-hmm. montage uh, we got some montage of henry sad too mm-hmm. and libby sad in new york blah 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 and yeah they're back to their everyday life which is the mom being a wedding singer and then mm-hmm. uh, daphne works as a waitress and then mm-hmm. we are i guess learning that she's planning to uh, apply for college right yeah. so so she's like like screw my dad i ain't want nothing to do with them anymore Mm-hmm. I'm gonna live my life here in New York, right? Whereas but, for Henry, he's he's still being hammered by the paparazzi. He still has Alistair and his advisors in his ear saying, like, you know, you need to do everything you can to try to win this election because people are questioning your integrity now that your daughter is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically, Henry got a moment of revelation, I guess. Mm-hmm. So he decides to do this whole speech in front of, like, the whole... I guess what House of the Lords or like I guess his campaign party and then he's just like mm-hmm. I withdrew from candidacy. Yeah. And he found out that Alistair was the one who's been like causing problems in their life, apparently. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like he was like, oh, I can't believe you did that and then he punched him and so that was that. And then Clarissa oh no, not Clarissa. Uh what's her name? Glennis was like mm-hmm. i know daddy's been naughty but what about me and then he's <laughs> like you'll survive and then he <laughs> and then he left <laughs> and then oh, he yeah. left so that was that with that whole family right yeah so henry flew to new york and had mm-hmm. a whole tearful uh reunion with daphne at somebody else's wedding that <laughs> Daphne was waitressing at, yeah. uh, but so she's on the so she's on the clock at this time. But like, yeah. but the the dad just walks in. They're like, I don't want to change anything about you. Like, I love you. And then mm-hmm. uh, Daphne says, I love you, dad. She calls her dad for the first time. It was tearful. She mm-hmm. they were hugging and like. This whole time, the mom is, like, crying from the stage where she's also supposed to be working at. And uh, some male vocalist just starts singing out of nowhere. Because apparently, because yeah. she was supposed to be the main vocalist, but and then I didn't see anyone else on the stage. But, well, yeah. let's run with it. It's exactly. like, and the music starts playing, Have I Told You Lately That I Love You? And oh, yeah. 
And then Henry and Daphne finally have their father-daughter dance. And it was all happy. And then he was like, I brought a big present since I screw up big time. And then apparently he also brought in a human present for Daphne. So now Daphne is dancing with Ian. And the dad Mm -hmm. goes closer to the mom. And they also reconcile. So like the last five minutes of the movie is just pure serotonin. It's like, they're like, they're just like, closing all of his puzzle pieces together they're all dancing mm-hmm. at somebody else's wedding like it's their mm-hmm. own parties like like all love is in the air yeah. and we're also treated to an epilogue of yep. how, how how alistair is now far away from the parliament right he is now a tour guide in the double decker bus and so basically, everybody evil got what they de- what they deserve, <laughs> yep. and Daphne got into Oxford. The parents got remarried, and then we all see them like uh, as a whole happy family with the dad, the grandma, mm-hmm. the the butler. Apparently, that was also nice, the butler, and then Daphne, yeah. Ian, and then like so everybody's just like one big happy family in their London house. So apparently, they're all just like living in London. Yeah, and instead of going to NYU because she didn't get in, she gets into Oxford. Yeah. So now she's taking in her dad's, you know, like, footsteps, essentially, because he went to Oxford, too. Yeah, so... so... They tie it all So that's how the movie ends. And then it's like, I feel like you could have have a good drinking game if you just take a shot every time Daphne just falls. falls. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like she just pretty much falls the whole movie. (laughs) I don't know. This is like a whole recurrence in like teenage rom-coms in the 2000 era. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, No, seriously. It's it's a recurring type of theme that whoever your lead girl is, she's kind of clumsy but cute. And then you make it feel like it's endearing. But then I wonder, do you have a sense of balance? anywhere yeah so let's go to the scoring so we have made some changes from our last criteria right so now we are judging on the point from one to five Mm -hmm. um the opening the romance the comedy the female lead the male lead the main conflict character development the supporting characters uniqueness and the ending so for the opening, I give it a 2 out of 5 because it's CGI butterfly flying over New York City. Like, I get that. I don't know. Did I see this movie back then when I was a kid? And I was like, wow, that's like the most amazing thing. I don't think so as well, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm going to give mm-hmm. it a 2 out of 5. <laughs> I was a little bit more liberal. I gave it a 3 because I saw it as a child. I thought it was kind of cool, again, at the time, right? I don't think butterfly clips are still a good idea, but the CGI butterflies, you know. But, like, does the butterfly have any some sort of, like, symbolism? Perhaps it does. Perhaps it's about, like, free thinking and free spirit. Oh, but I also remember she have a tattoo in the form of a butterfly. No, that's, no? A, that's a moon and a, a star. 
you know, miss chances, miss miss chances because they should have made it a butterfly that it will be like this whole like symbolism that Daphne's like the butterfly or whatever. But so, but so I see your point at that point because it's not like they thought it through. It, it didn't connect. So there are a lot of stylistic elements of the movie that was just there. That, that was just there. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So. so I, I, the opening, the opening is two out of five for me and a three out of five for Regina. Okay, so the romance, I give it a three out of five mm-hmm. because I like that there's two romance lines going on in mm-hmm. this movie. The story between uh, the dad Henry and the mom Libby, and the story between Daphne and Ian. However, yeah. it's just like. Both of this story is like so choppy. It's just like yeah. Ian. I feel so bad for Ian. You know, I I'm gonna keep saying that. It's like he is only there as like a plot device. It's like he's just there, like poop, and then like poop going out, and then poop going in again, and then poop going out again. So I give it a three out of five. I give this a four, um, because I do think that the chemistry between Daphne and Ian are good. I'll I'll put aside Colin first. I mean, so Henry, right? I'll put Henry aside just because we don't actually get to see um, his relationship with Libby until towards the end. We just hear of it. So um, when I was grading this under Romance Factor, I specifically focused only on Daphne and Ian. I agree with you. There isn't enough time for Ian to really develop as a character because of the way that they intentionally used him only to lighten up certain um, certain plot points or to bring clarity. But I do think that because of the actors themselves, and this was Amanda Bynes at her peak, right? Mm-hmm. The, they made it believable, the, the love story there. And it's always that kind of um, uh, American girl meets European guy type of thing. Mm-hmm. And and this one is like a British guy, and it's it's always that. Yeah. And I think going into it, knowing that that's something that they're trying to sell you on, I think they did relatively okay. Oh yeah, because, uh, I would have to say that I score the melee pretty high. So like, I have all love for Ian, but let's <laughs> let's uh, let's not go there first. So we're gonna do yeah. the comedy this time. So. Yeah. I give the comedy also a 3 out of 5. It's like, there's no laugh out loud moments for me no, here. There's not. It's no. like, I know this this movie is try, trying hard to be funny and then trying hard to put like some one-liners and then yeah. with the characters and then with the over-exaggeration and then with the multiple, multiple dance number and then with the naming, mm-hmm. like Peach yeah. and Pear, you know? They're trying hard, but I just... They it needs to be more charming for me. It's a yeah. little bit suffocating their comedy, so I so give it a three it out of five. So do you think it just didn't live up to the bar that it was trying to set? Yeah. So I just feel like all of the jokes are like a little bit unnatural. So like the comedy, it, the comedy part of it is like it doesn't make me f- look at it and laugh. It's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, I know what they're trying to do there, but it doesn't mm-hmm. deliver the laughs for me. Yeah, I gave this a three. I think for the same reasons that you said, but also because the things that they try to make you laugh with 
are really cringy. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. So an example of that is, you know, like, again, the name Peach and Pear. Mm-hmm. And then trying to be like, oh, yeah, our mom was really obsessed with fruit. We have a sister named Parsnip. Parsnip, yeah. Uh, girl, I feel bad for you. Don't say that out loud. Yeah, and then I don't really like that they're playing into the British stereotypes mm-hmm. as one of the reasons why they want to make it funny. It's like, mm-hmm. you know how the British only like, uh, they only show affection to horses and dogs. You know, yeah. it's like a lot of their jokes or one-liners are centered mm-hmm. around like how this American girl is trying to fit into the London high society world. Or rather that she will never mm-hmm. fit in, right? So mm-hmm. it, it's not even, it's not an introspection into British I mean, I guess it is, but it's more so a critique in a way of like, for me, it was an internal critique for myself because I like this movie, but it's, there are a lot of factors of it between peer pressures to um, bullying, if you think about what Glynis is doing to Daphne and patriarchy with Armistead grading uh, women down the runway. There's a lot of things in this movie in 2003 that is tailored for children to watch that are problematic mm-hmm. um and so the comedy you would hope flipped that a little but you're right i don't think it did as well as it could have because it didn't take my mind away from it this second time or a third time watching it mm-hmm. yeah and then i i did watch this movie like three times and then i feel like the the whole every time i watch it i'll like notice all of this smaller like nuances that i probably missed when i was like 13 and watching this for mm-hmm. the first time exactly so yeah. the next criteria is the female lead i give this a three out of five it's like i know this is amanda Bynes during her peak but i mm. also like i don't like the fact that they kind of like they have to villainize a whole other culture or like no not really culture like a whole type of like living situation or like like just like they're trying to make it like well american standards are good and then when she goes to this london and then like everything is like it's so stuffy it's it's not it's not good it's like mm-hmm. her her keeping her 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 identity i guess is the only thing that's gonna gonna be good in this movie you know what yeah. i mean yeah do you yeah. know what i mean it's like i, I, I don't know how to put it into words but like no no i see where you're coming from because i have the same gripes about about daphne i think she's she could be a very good character especially for young girls right because again we know where they're going with it we want her to be set up as this smart diligent independent girl or rather she's not a girl anymore she's a woman and so finding her way in the world and forging a path for herself um but you're right they they dumb it down or they water it down so much that you kind of lose the essence and i get it because they want to capitalize on her quirkiness and um you want to make it feel lighthearted and comedic but it takes away because of those aspects that you said you're and hollywood does this a lot especially when it's a female-driven movie where they trivialize certain struggles that women have to deal with. So making her run late because she doesn't like what's going on with her um, her appearance or 
rather also setting it up as she's so clumsy, she falls a lot, or she broke the faucet or whatever the handle was, and that's why she got water everywhere, and that's why she was going to be late, or that she's so clumsy that she'll fall into a lake. And, and so you take away a lot of the development that you created for her. And, and so I, I feel as though I get where they're trying to go. Mm-hmm. So I graded this a four. But okay. you're right. I, I completely agree with you with the setbacks that they created for Daphne as a character. Yeah, because I feel like the only way that she can show some development was to basically prove that her father's like way of living is not good. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So right. The, I guess that's where I have my issues. Not not really issues. It's just like why I just graded her a three out of five. But mm-hmm. I, 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 I still think that this is a good Amanda Bynes movie because yeah. one of the, during the 2000s, it's like the core message was there. You have to stay true to yourself, be yourself, you know, mm-hmm. don't try to mm-hmm. conform to like what society is telling you to do. Don't try mm-hmm. to like say yes to the bullies, like stand up to the bullies. So I get that she can be a good role model to young girls that way. But again, yeah, it's a little bit watered down. That's that's mm-hmm. the right word. So the next is the male lead. So I give this a four out of five because actually Ian is a very decent guy, like personality wise. Like he he was given a background, but the story mm-hmm. was not that much f- fleshed out in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. So he can be a part of high society if his mom doesn't marry like some commoner and then basically they were cast out right he could have stayed in this whole society if he wanted to and then that Mm -hmm. gives him some depth so he's not like clueless he's not just a hater it's like he he lives this life right and then he decides like no i want to pursue my own dreams like i don't want to be in this society and then he left and then he met daphne and blah 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 so his background story was fleshed out, but in the mm-hmm. screen, then it's like, he's not given much screen time to begin with, right? He was like, put in and put out, put in, put out, you know? Mm-hmm. But I understand that much of it was because they have to give some screen time for Daphne and her father to develop mm-hmm. a relationship. So Daphne have like two relationships that she's trying to build here. It's not just pure romance. It's like she's trying to build her relationship with her dad and then also with Ian. So I give it a four. <laughs> I gave this a five. And I honestly, I started thinking about this um, just on the spectrum of all of the things that I've been watching most recently. And there's always usually a fault to a male lead. I don't know if people know notice that. But I gave this guy a five because he is the most unproblematic love interest yeah. ever. He's so supportive too. It's yeah. like he wants, like Daphne wants to be more prim and proper to fit in more than he's helping her. It's like Daphne wants to be herself. Like she's, he's also there. And then, but he doesn't lie either because when he sees that, you know, she's starting to exhibit those characteristics that would damage her as a person he calls her out on it Mm -hmm. you know and and sure if the worst thing that he did in this entire movie was say this verbatim like call me when the real Daphne is back you know if that's the worst thing he said I applaud this dude (laughs) and it it doesn't 
also it very much helps that he is very cute and um again you're playing into this particular type of guy that a lot of girls like british accent cute face boyish charm kind of a rebel because of the motorcycle and then he plays the guitar so he fits a very plus he's a hard role. worker too you know yeah He's exactly. not just bumming it out. He's like he's a hard worker who works hard for his dream. Yeah, and and I have to say this, I never looked up this actor until I turned maybe like 18. His name is Oliver James, and I swear the only movies he's ever done are rom-coms that we know of that we would be exposed to. And I kind of wish he was bigger than he is, but I will always have a special place in my heart for this guy. So Yeah. Yeah, I I I agree with you there. So, how about the main conflict now? What did you give this? I actually give this a 4 out of 5. Yeah. I also gave this a 4. And my reasoning for the 4 is that I don't know what it is and I started thinking about this a little bit earlier today. What is the fascination with a, a, like the story of Cinderella in general? Yeah. Right? because it has pervaded through pop culture for decades. And I think that um they did a really nice job with diversifying it a little because it's not just her and an evil stepmom. We actually get to see her with her own mom. We see how the grandmother actually ends up being a fairy godmother. We see um her love interest with Ian, but she's also building on this really big um life-changing moment with you know discovering that her father is everything that she had had ever dreamed of. And so I think that the main conflict of her trying to figure out who she is and how she fits in um in compartmentalizing a lot of those story plots I thought was an interesting way of doing it which made the conflict seem as if it was much more multifaceted. But I I do think, you know, there is a level of cookie cutter plot um that's going on here, which is the reason why I didn't give it a five. Yeah. I I I agree with you on those same reasons now. It's like I I see like how they're taking the same old formula, right? Mhm. The Cinderella yeah. story is like yeah. the Cinderella evil stepmom, evil stepsister. It's all there. It's all it's there. All there. Right? Yeah. It's like but I appreciate that they're making something different out of it and it's not about her just finding love with the prince who comes to save her, right? Mm-hmm. It's like about her just developing her own self and then just uh having a relationship with the dad. So that yeah. what makes it different and then so it's a Cinderella story with a different twist, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I like that. So that was a four out of five for me too. Mm-hmm. So let's say about character development. I also give this a four out of five because it's like the same points. Is like, uh, it's not just a regular Cinderella story, right? She actually right. have she she go through the the whole process of this transformation, right? She came out like fresh out of the like fresh out of the water. Like doesn't mm-hmm. know anything about it. She learned, and then she learns about what she wants, and then what she wants, and then uh, what she doesn't want, and then she learns about what she's willing to sacrifice and what she's not willing to sacrifice, and she kind of like just work it out herself by st- 
still being true to herself. So I think yeah. the character development is a four out of five for me. Okay, I I also gave this a four. Mm-hmm. Um, the character development, yeah, for the exact same reasons that you said about Daphne, you know, she learns throughout the entire thing how to be much more true to herself. Um, and to be honest with you, honestly, had she not gone on this trip, I feel like she could have probably been able to do that because her mom has always stayed true to herself. And so mm-hmm. she's had a good head on her shoulders and mm-hmm. she's had a support system. Um, but I did the character development mostly because of the impact that Daphne had had on other characters. She's not the perfect female lead. Obviously, she has her own quirks. But I found that the development came from the consequences of her actions, even her mistakes. So Peach and Pear, most especially. The, when we first meet them, they're shy. They have been bullied. They are kind of like ostracized by Clarissa and her group of friends. And Daphne takes the time to actually invest in them, become um, their friends. And now we don't, we don't even really see this happen. It never unfolds on screen. But we, when we're reintroduced to Peach and Pear, they have a level of confidence and air to that, um, to themselves that they can present themselves in a way where they feel comfortable, right? And I, I think there's still stuff to be said about how they dress because it kind of sexualizes them as opposed to what they look like before. Um, and I don't know that they, the filmmakers hit the nail on the head there. I still have my gripes about it. I know. It's not like but, suddenly but again, like you just put on a new wardrobe and then you just suddenly becomes like this whole other person. Like, I yeah. understand how and, dressing... And, and, you know, yeah, but you know what really got... You, you know what really annoyed me about that portion? Um, was that it, you couldn't have even just made it as they have this entrance, they feel and look beautiful. They needed to be validated by another set of twin brothers who then wanted to escort them. Mm. As if women have to be validated by the um, acceptance of men. Mm. You know, so as in terms of character development, I can appreciate how Daphne's um, influence on people helped them, especially Henry also, because Henry then rescinds his candidacy, goes back to the mom, um, starts, you know, is finally able to verbalize his feelings and emotions to be there as a good father. Um, But there are a lot of like minute details that now that we're adults, it's kind of messy. Yeah. But I I stick with giving this a four on character development. And but so our next uh, criteria is supporting characters and actually yeah. because of the same reasons that you mentioned now about peach and pear like how how like i feel like kind of underdeveloped they are that i give this a three out of five because the supporting characters i feel like is it's just like around daphne mm-hmm. and it's just helping to just build up daphne even more is like with mm-hmm. Peach and Pear is like they're uh they're just showing how Daphne is such a good person 
that mm-hmm. they help improve the quality of life for these twins, apparently, right? So yep. the supporting characters is just there to serve as a plot point for Daphne. And then that's why I give it a 3 out of 5. Yeah, I also gave this a 3. And the only reason I even gave this a 3 was because I like the mom and the grandma. Hmm. Because, and the butler, when he when he spilled that, like, coffee or juice or whatever on Clarissa, she deserved that. Yeah. Um, but I, I completely agree with you. When, when you have this big of a cast, mm-hmm. and it's not huge, it's not huge, but you have two parallel stories mm-hmm. going on at the same time, and you have all of these other characters in play, if you don't time things out correctly, things don't land. And I think that's exactly what happened in this with supporting characters. They're just there to act as a tool to further one particular section of the movie. They don't stay with you throughout the entire film. So then then they're just forgettable. And when they do come in handy, it's usually to fix a plot hole Mm -hmm. somewhere. And, And so with that, I don't think that there was enough time for us mm-hmm. to have a connection to most of these characters um, that are on the sidelines, like you said. Yeah. So the next criteria is the uniqueness. And I give this a 3 out of 5 because the whole story is a Cinderella story, right? Basically, we've said this over and over again. They have all of the same formula. But I would appreciate it if they could have put more dimensions to the character that mm-hmm, will give mm-hmm. the whole Cinderella story a new twist because it is also it's it's already a new twist with it being like the whole making a relationship with the dad instead of her just trying to find some cute guy to marry right like the mm-hmm. regular Cinderella story but it's yeah. like the evil stepmom trope is so overused right it's yeah. like it's like they have to be like evil, 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 or like nothing. You know, it's like yeah. they can't. I would rather they they give her some more dimensions. You know, mm-hmm. because like I understand how some lady would be like oh, horrified Threatened. with finding yeah. out that her fiance actually have a love child, and then you're supposed to be married, and then like this whole thingy. But. It seems like they're just giving these characters, these evil characters, like, just the one dimension. It's just like, I only aspire for world domination. I want to control mm. the parliament. And then Alistair is made out to be the super evil advisor. And, you know, because, like, that's not that's not how the world works. Right? Because, yeah. you know, like, how I need to see it in a way that I see them as as characters who are actually just thinking that they're right in their own mind, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're thinking like, well, I'm doing this for the greater good, or like, I'm actually thinking that I'm right, but then realizes like, okay, maybe I am in the wrong here, because that's most usually what happens and how like conflicts and misunderstanding happens. But in yeah. this movie, it's like, everybody's like so one-dimensional. So it's like, either you're evil and you just want to see the world burn, or yeah. you're you're super nice and then all yeah. you want to do is just be a saint so that's why right. i give this a three right. out of five i also gave uniqueness a three um i'm in agreement with you with the points that were brought up but in addition to those things again yeah you're taking a formula and you're trying to expand it a little bit what i feel like they could have done better 
And I know, I understand that this movie is not supposed to be, you know, like a moving story that feminists can always, um, you know, <laughs> hold in their hearts as a, an anthem or whatever. I get that. I understand that. But you're right. The thing that has always annoyed me with Cinderella in general and any movie that then adapts it is is exactly that. Pitting women against women. And right. Any logical person who finds out that their partner was, uh, was complicit in either what they consider infidelity or has kept secrets from them or even if they weren't involved, but like the fact that that type of revelation is made known has to be a shock, right? But it's, you're right, it's always that evil stepmom, evil stepdaughter feeling threatened by another strong woman that they have to immediately hate each other. Mm-hmm. And, and so that just leaves a bad taste for me as a viewer. Um, because it perpetuates that cycle always. Mm-hmm. And so even with the creative liberties that they were trying to accomplish here, I don't think that they they reached the bar there. Okay. And last but not least is the ending. What would you give the ending as core off? Because I give it a four out of five. Because actually it's pure serotonin mm-hmm. in the end. Yeah. And then I always love epilogues at the end. All movies, please put epilogues in the end. <laughs> because I want to know what happens next. Yeah. I gave this a four also. Um, I was I was going to give it a five. Because I I would love when a movie ends on that high note. Mm-hmm. Right? And it basically you comes come full circle. Right? Because yeah. she wanted to have the father-daughter dance in the beginning. And that's always like her goal. And then right. she gets that in the end. My, my thing about it is... Um, when you end at a high note on a rom-com, that was your expectation. You want that to happen at the end of a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. And the epilogue just kind of pushed it above mm-hmm. what my expectation was. The only reason that I gave this a four and not a five is because she said she got into Oxford. And I'm like, if you couldn't get into NYU, how'd you get into Oxford, girl? Like, how do these characters get into Ivy League schools, even abroad? And, like, and, and I see this, this is like an issue with even like all of the rom-coms movie like that we've done before, right? For some reason, yeah. they just always graduate from this like ivy league schools that are like super hard to get into like it's nobody's business <laughs> right stanford harvard <laughs> oxford wherever you going all the fours i know and then laura jean went into nyu did she she did end up going to nyu so, yeah. so it's like how did how <laughs> can i get into nyu i know Please. yeah yeah, so I agree. So I give the ending is a four out of five. It's just not realistic. It, I know it's, it's an aspiration. It's a dream, but then you're brought back to reality because you know. I know because it's like yeah. Well, uh, I I did went to college and then I went to Oxford. It's like just thrown out of there. It's like she hasn't been working towards that, right? And it's like suddenly in the end, yeah, I got into Oxford. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, we did. Yeah, we we okay. saw you head writing that application. <laughs> to yeah. Edit. Oh, 
Imagine handwriting an application to college. It's 2003. You have a computer. Use it. No, but is is it is it a happy ending land? You know, everything is possible. Like all the bad guys got what they deserve, supposedly. Although, before we close that, Clarissa getting married to Armistead. Yeah. See, I don't like that part too. And then the yeah. fact that Armistead is basically harassing her her bridesmaid. her bridesmaid. And I feel like they tried to make that seem as though like, okay, well she got what she deserved. She's uh I don't but I don't I still don't happy, think that she got like, what she deserved with like that, you know? I I dislike that part. You know, that's I think yeah. that's the reason why I give it a four out of five. Because like I Oh. And the mom also got married to the 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 boring lord. So that means she's still financially stable. Oh what, chandelier guy? Yeah, chandelier guy. Oh, I didn't Oh, I missed that part. I probably like I saw the epilogue was like because I was so appalled by the fact that they would actually put uh Clarissa marrying Armistead and then Armistead basically just like sexually harassing his bridesmaid by groping his her ass in the middle of the wedding and then we're Mm -hmm. supposed to be like ha 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 was that supposed to be funny was that supposed to be like we're supposed to well yeah good for her or something like that well not really but like no no girl is (laughs) <laughs> should be should be getting that treatment. No, and that wasn't not. that was not funny. So, uh, no. but let's skip that whole part and just focus on like the whole epilogue when they were like all happy and having like their whole picnic, I guess, on like the lawn, and everybody's like happy and yeah, it's happy endings. It's happy endings only. Yeah. Yeah. So, tallying all of the score, my score was the final of thirty three. Mm. Okay. Um, mine was a thirty-seven. So in total, it's actually a seventy percent from us. Was that a mm-hmm. C? Would you call this a C movie? Yeah, I would think so, like a C minus. But yeah, it got a happy ending in the end, and then I did watch this movie like three times. <laughs> and again, it's it's Amanda Bynes. Uh, classic staple to anyone who grew up in the late 90s and early 2000s and the main guy believe me you'll want to stick around for him just again because he is the best boyfriend probably that we see in most romantic comedies and it's Colin first come on you can't go yeah. wrong with that so yeah yeah and then he always seems to get this like English guy's roles, right? Colin for oh, like yeah. the the proper because he was Mr. Darcy at the Pride and Prejudice TV series, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so time for some extra credits if there's any. Well, I don't have any. I feel like this movie was like just there. Okay, done. I don't have any. Either. Yeah, so it's gonna end up. This is actually the first movie where there's no extra credit. There wasn't any like. Yeah funny quips there wasn't any like me- interesting no. memorable moments that i would give some yeah. extra credit for and i i know that you like oliver james but i think you already give a lot of points for him that's why you give him i did <laughs> so I, did. I think he got I his extra points that way yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and watch what a girl bash- wants huh? yeah not to bash this movie let me just like, say this one thing because i know this is this is very low scoring but it's we you have to be able to respect the fact that we can at least take this movie and know that it gave us its all 
<laughs> and we're gonna appreciate it for that yeah so it's fine yeah and it has a happy ending in the end you know yeah. so <laughs> this is the first movie where it get like 70% from us yeah. uh watch what a girl wants we watched it on netflix it was it's streaming on netflix at the time of this recording so yeah we got what a girl wants this week and tune in next week where we're gonna watch high school musical right Ooh, yeah Yes, yeah. so we're gonna watch High School Musical and let's tune in and sing and we're soaring, flying. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, see you next week. we will be singing, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> see you next in, week. People. Bye.